invite you to turn with me in a Bible to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. The very last book in the Bible. And I hope you'll turn to chapter 19. Chapter 19. As we look together at verses 6 to 9. Revelation 19, verses 6 to 9. And there we read these words. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad. And give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Where is history going? What is it all building up to? Do our lives have any purpose or significance beyond our lifetime? These are the questions that have occupied people's minds as long as people have been thinking. What is the point? Is is history just a cycle that repeats itself? Or is history aimed at a definite point? And the Christian faith lands firmly on the latter. History is moving to one great climactic point. And what we have here in Revelation 19 is the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle John, peeling back the curtain of heaven to give us a glimpse of what we can expect, what we can look forward to, and showing us how we are to prepare for that day. And there is one day by which every other day will be judged and measured. And that's the burden of today's message, is to ask you, Are you ready for this day? We're ready for all kinds of other days. If we have a test, presentation at work, a task to do, something for our kids, we get ready. And that's good and that's right, but are you ready for this day? And what are we told about this day? 
we're told that this will be a day of rejoicing. Hallelujah! The Lord saves. A great and joyous day. For the Lord Almighty reigns. And you look around the world right now, and it doesn't look like He's reigning. Because when we look around, we see that the world is filled with incompetent leaders. And we think, Lord, where are you? Well, to be sure, he is guiding and directing it all secretly by his mysterious providence. But one day, the whole world will know that the Lord reigns when he is reigning clearly. And on that day, all the glory, all the honor will belong to him. And John tells us that this day is, is like a wedding feast, like a wedding reception. A great day, a happy day, joyful day. And I'm, you can ask Holly, I'm not a big party person. Those of you who know me aren't surprised by that confession. But I may not be out on the dance floor at a wedding reception, but I am rejoicing. It is a joyous occasion, even for an introvert like me. All that we're celebrating in a wedding reception, a wedding feast, that's what this day is going to be like when the bride of Christ, his church, is ready and all the stains and wrinkles and warts and all that make her currently less presentable, less beautiful. All of that will be cleansed. She will be glorified, ready for the groom when he comes, as indeed he will. The groom will come. And the music on that day will not be, here comes the bride, but here comes the groom. Here comes the groom. Are you ready for him to come? Are you living like you're ready? How do we know if we're living like we're ready? Here's what we need to remember. We lose sight of this fact so easily. But I hope to show you that eternity is only one heartbeat away. Eternity is only one heartbeat away. And no one, no one is born ready for eternity. No one is born ready to face the righteous judgment of God. No one is born that way. But the Holy Spirit can make anyone ready. Anyone instantaneously. He can make anyone ready instantaneously by clothing them with the righteousness of Christ. By the clothing that's described here in Revelation 19. Clothed, not with the filthy rags of our best efforts to try to live as good people, but clothed with His perfect righteousness. And that's the only way that we can face this eternity. 
And we may think, well, this day is, is a day I, I, I don't know when that's going to happen, and, and so I can put this off. Well, here's what I need you to know. You should be ready for this day. But you and I never know when our end may come. There will be an end to the world. A day that judges every other day. A day of judgment for all. And it will not be a happy day for all. And I have to tell you that to be honest with the truth. But I also have to tell you that even if you don't live on this world long enough to see this day, even if you die before this day, eternity is only one heartbeat away. You're not promised that you're going to make it safely home today. You're not promised tomorrow. And neither am I. So are you living with that awareness? Or not? What we have through the Holy Spirit is a wedding invitation. And I want to walk through this wedding invitation with you to show you how we are called to get ready. The first is the occasion. What is the occasion? It is the Lamb's wedding feast. As you see in verse 7, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. The wedding feast of the Lamb. This is a party thrown by God the Father, the one who brought this world into existence, who upholds our lives right now, in this very moment, by his providence and his governance of this world. And this wedding feast is for his son, first and foremost. Not for me, not for you, but first and foremost, for his son. This is what it's all been prepared for. It's for him. Jesus Christ is the hero of history. All of the Old Testament looks forward to him, to his coming. All of the New Testament looks back upon his arrival. And all of history will find its climax in his return. It's all about him. Is he the hero of your life? Or do you still think it's about you? It's for him. This is his party. He is the host. Not me. When we enter into a worship service, I, I typically will say, welcome, we're glad you're here. But I'm not really the host. <laughs> I'm just standing in for the host. And I'm extending, extending an invitation and a welcome on his behalf. This isn't my house and it's not your house, is it? It's his. And this is his party, his feast, given in honor of his son. And his son is called the Lamb. And why is he called the Lamb? He's called the Lamb to remind us that 
He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hearkening back to the Old Testament sacrificial system where God reminded His people over and over again, you are sinners. I am holy. We can't have communion and fellowship with one another unless there's reconciliation between us. And here's the provision that I'm making. And while it wasn't really the blood of those lambs or those goats that saved people, each of those lambs and those goats pointed forward to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Your sinfulness, my sinfulness, all of our failures to live as God wants us to live, all of that was laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He absorbed in His body the penalty that I deserve and that you deserve. He died as our substitute. He died in our place. And I need to tell you, if you don't know Him as the Lamb, as your substitute, then you do not know Him at all. There are so many who know Jesus as the greatest moral teacher. They, they treasure what He said. They want to read what He said. They want to learn from what He said. They want to implement His teaching. There are so many that prize Him as a great crusader for a social cause. There are people who want to use Jesus. Okay, He's the only way to God. Okay, well, let me use Him. But I have to ask you, do you know Him as the Lamb who died in your place as your substitute? If you don't know Him as the Lamb, then you don't know Him. Because at this wedding feast, we can't say, oh, I, I'm here to celebrate all the great things I did to follow Jesus, to imitate Him, to emulate Him. Oh no. We should do that by His grace, by the power of the Holy Spirit, but that's not the basis of entry. The basis of entry is His blood shed in your place. This feast isn't about anything that you have done or said. It's not a celebration of your greatness or my greatness. It's all about Him and what He has done. That's the occasion. We've got to be absolutely clear on the occasion or we'll miss the whole thing. It's about Him and what He's done for sinners like you and like me. But then, we're also told about the attire. What are we supposed to wear? Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. And we're told parenthetically, fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. God takes your clothing very, very seriously. What he sees when he looks at you will determine where you spend your eternity. Deadly seriousness. Don't believe me? Listen to these words from Matthew 22. 
and our Lord's parable of the wedding feast. We're familiar with the first part of it. The king prepares a wedding banquet for his son. He sends servants out. They invite some. Many are too busy to come. Even though everything has been prepared, they don't have to bring anything. They just come to the party. That's all he asks. But they don't want any part of it. They kill his messengers, mistreat them. King's enraged. He sends his army, destroys those murderers, and burns their city. Then we read these words in Matthew 22, verse 8. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Now, we want to break off the reading right there. Okay, fine, great. The more the merrier. Bring them in, yes. We, that tickles our ears. We like that. That's very inclusive. All welcoming, that's great. But we can't stop there. Look at what comes next, verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Now, this strikes us as severe. It's harsh. I mean, why is he acting this way? I mean, the guy's at the party. Doesn't he want more people at his party? Isn't he glad to have this man sitting there? And in fact, what he does, as the wedding feast is about to commence, he looks out and he says, you! Have you ever been in a situation like that where there's someone speaking and all of a sudden they call you out? (laughs) Oh, it's terrifying at least for me. I'm not somebody that raises my hand to go up on the stage to help with the magic trick. I don't want to be a part of that. I'm looking down. But that's what he says. You! How did you get in here, friend? Of course, I'm tempted to do that sometimes when I see this number happening every now and then. But I don't, because I don't want to terrify anyone with my words. The gospel is terrifying enough as it is. You! How did you get in here? You're not dressed with wedding clothes. Don't you know that this man probably has on his Sunday best? He may be dressed to the nines. He may have on a tuxedo. And the host says, you don't have on the right clothes. What is the problem? When God looks at you and looks at me, there is nothing that we can put on to earn His favor. Nothing. And the sad reality is that there are many people who will enter hell, eternal judgment. Well, all along, they were wearing their Sunday best. They wore a tie every Sunday. Oh, they were at church every Sunday. 
Oh, they gave their tithes and offerings. Oh, they could talk the talk. Oh, everyone assumed, of course, this person will be in heaven. And the host will have to say, how did you get in here? I didn't say that you could come into my wedding feast because you were well-dressed, because you were religious, because you could pray an eloquent prayer, because you could preach a compelling sermon. No! If the king says to you and to me, how did you get in here? Are you speechless? I, I just came in. I thought, I thought all you wanted me to do was to be here. No. There is only one answer, and that answer is the blood of Jesus. The blood of the Lamb shed in your place. And no one is born righteous. No one is righteous. No, not one. Every single one of us must be born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. We must be washed in the blood of the Lamb. We must be clothed with the righteousness of Christ or we cannot enjoy this wedding feast. I cannot tell you otherwise. And it is good for you, let me tell you, especially those who may have been in the church for a long time, to stop and ask yourself, how did I get in here? How did I get in here? On what basis do I have a place at this table, in this party? On what grounds? Is it because of anything that I've said or done? Why are you here? Can you answer? There's only one attire. And we're told that many are invited. Many will hear this, but only a few will be marked out and chosen to be born again, to receive this righteousness. How sad for anyone that thinks that their clothing, their righteous deeds, their good behavior, their upright citizenship, their right opinions, their right beliefs, how sad for anyone to think that that's somehow going to earn their place in the wedding banquet. And how sad to be on the outside weeping instead of on the inside having every tear wiped away by the Lamb of God. How sad. But they're sitting around us. We're in their midst all the time. Many are invited, but few are chosen. I know any time I get up and preach the gospel, many will reject it. Many will turn away. They don't want anything to do with that. And increasingly, in this day and time, in this country, that is the case. People have looked upon this and said, this is all mythology. You can't really believe that's going to happen. You can't really base your life on these words, can you? careful. Notice the guest list. The guest list. His bride. His his bride who has made herself ready. Not because of what she has done, but because of what has been given to her to wear. Was given to her. Fine linen, bright and clean. 
So that when God looks upon her, he sees the righteousness of the Lamb, the righteousness of his Son. And she, in turn, lives out this righteousness in her life. The guest list includes the wise. The wise signify the bride. Jesus tells us this very clearly in Matthew 25. Listen to this as he again uses wedding imagery. Matthew 25, verse 1. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom! Come out to meet him! Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Jesus is using this wedding imagery, and at this day and time, it was customary for the bride, along with her bridesmaids, these ten virgins, to wait at her house at night. When the groom would come to the bride's house, where the wedding ceremony would be held, And then the entire wedding party would leave and go to the groom's house for the wedding reception, for the party that might last for days. That's the imagery Jesus is using. We should picture night, candles, lamps burning. Some were wise, some were foolish. And notice how you can't tell anything different just looking at them. They each are there, they're each waiting. They each have a lamp with oil. And the wisdom has nothing to do with intelligence. It has everything to do with waiting and knowing it may take a long time. It may take a long time. But so often, this is an excuse that we use. Well, he hasn't come back yet. Why are you so sure that Jesus will come back? We can't can't pin our hopes on that. We've got... We've got to be pragmatic. We've got to be practical. We've got to vote the right people. We've got to elect the right people. We've got to enact the right legislation. We've got to have the right social movement. We can't wait on this. We've got to take matters into our own hands. But notice the midnight cry here comes the groom. Here he comes. And then. The difference is seen. Some were prepared. Some planned beforehand. Some had extra oil. The foolish ones said, 
Give us some of yours. Give us some of yours, please. And the ones with the extra oil have to say, no, there may not be enough. And here's what you need to know. There is no such thing as proxy faith. I cannot believe for you. Your grandma cannot believe for you. Your parents cannot believe for you. You and you alone before God are responsible. All of them fall asleep. The flesh is weak. But the wise, those who have been born again, those who have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ, know it may, ta- it may take a while, and they're ready for that. They're responsible for their own oil, which symbolizes the grace of God that we receive through the Holy Spirit. But the great lie that drives so much of us is there's always more time, right? There's always more time. And we put it off. I, I always I, I intend to, to get baptized. I intend to make a commitment. I intend to join the church. I intend to take care of matters. I intend to tell that lost person about Jesus. I intend to have that conversation. And before we know it, time's out. It's over. It's too late. Eternity is only one heartbeat away. And no one is born ready. This change must be brought about in you by the Holy Spirit. And we can't afford to put this off. Don't delay. What do you say about Jesus right now? And if this is the last sermon that I ever preach, I want you to hear clearly this is what it all comes down to. Are you ready? Don't put it off. Don't trust in your own righteousness that's a sham. Don't trust in a counterfeit lamp or counterfeit oil. Trust in Christ and trust in Him alone. Notice the finality. It's a horrifying, humbling scene. The wise virgins go inside. And look at this in verse 10. And the door was shut. The door was shut. And for those inside who are enjoying the wedding feast, who know it's all about Jesus, it's all about the Lamb of God, oh, there is rejoicing. And there is no one who can unlock that door. Once they're in, they are secure. They have full assurance. But for those on the outside, maybe they can see a glimmer of light coming through the crack of the door. Maybe they can hear the music. Maybe they can hear the singing. And they say, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. We're ready to come in. Please open the door. We're ready. We're ready now. And what does he say? I don't know you. It's too late. The clock has run out. I don't want this to be you, whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you haven't done. Don't let this be you. Pray for the new birth. Pray for God to intervene in your life by His grace. And He can and He will. Don't put it off. Don't delay. Don't think you have more time. Call upon the name of the Lord while He may be found. 
And now is the time. Flee from the wrath to come. As John the Baptist put it, the axe is already at the root of the tree. And every tree that does not bear good fruit will be chopped down. Now is the time. Now is the time. Flee from the wrath. Run to Christ. Run to Jesus. And He will receive you. He's already done everything that's necessary to secure your place on the inside of this door. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Eternity is only one heartbeat away. And what's the date of this occasion? What's the date? TBD. TBD. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know. You do not know the day or the hour. You do not know when you will breathe your last. Jesus could come back at any moment. Are you ready? It's for our good and for his glory that he has not told us the day or the hour. Keep watch, be alert, stay vigilant. There's plenty of time to sleep later. Now's the time to watch for the coming of the groom and come he will. So be wise. Be wise. It has nothing to do with how smart you are. It has nothing to do with how much you know or how little you know. It has nothing to do with what you've done or haven't done. Living wisely according to Jesus here is knowing the day that determines every other day. Knowing this day awaits you and awaits me and knowing that there is no plea that we can utter. There's nothing we can say except to plead the name of Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. One day, the door will be shut. One day, there's no return. And we don't know when that will be. So are you ready? Find me after the service. Let's pray together. Let's seek Him together. Let's talk this week. Don't put this off. This is what it all comes down to. Live wisely. I plead with you. Live wisely. I don't want this to be you crying out, Lord, Lord, now I'm ready. No, now is the time. Now the gospel is, is going forth. Now is the time to believe, to repent, to trust in Christ. May we do that by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us as we go to him in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for these true words. Words that are as good as you. Words that are as true as you are. And I pray, Lord, that in these next few moments, you would strip away every distraction. Help us to see you more clearly and to see the alternatives before us. And I pray for every single person hearing this message that they would be born again, that they would be washed in the blood of your son Jesus, that they would be clothed with his righteousness, and that they would live the remainder of their lives with faithfulness. And Lord, for all of us, may we watch, may we wait, may we pray, looking to you, 
looking to that great climactic day, not letting anything distract us, no matter how urgent, no matter how important, but knowing this is what matters. And Lord, we know that we all have people in our lives who need to hear this, who need to hear the urgency of this. Lord, help us to not put it off. Help us to share it boldly and urgently with compassion and love. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.